every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, hello, 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 hello again to each and every one of you, and welcome to Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. It is great to be back. I want to thank right from the get-go. Our producer, Dave Armbruster, for all of his hard work. And we are making some changes to the show, and we certainly invite you to come along for the ride. Dialed In will come your way twice a week, starting this week, Mondays and then on Fridays. Now, on Mondays, we're going to look back over the weekend in sports, Try and look at things both locally in greater Cincinnati and nationally. Then Friday, we'll take a look ahead to the weekend in sports. And from time to time, we'll have what's called our big interview. That's where we sit down with some of the biggest names in sports. We've had Bob Costas, Troy Aikman, Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, among others. They've been guests in the past. And then this Friday, we're going to kick it all off with our baseball preview with Chip Carey, television voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. And we won't always just stick to the X's and O's of sports anyway. There are so many other topics out there that I don't know if you understand them. I don't understand them. I mean, let's use NIL as an example, right? And the way that's changing collegiate sports, where's all that going? We're going to try and learn more about that, among other topics, as we move forward on Dialed In. Coming up in a matter of minutes, Super Bowl winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens, Brian Billick, will join us to talk about Sunday's Super Bowl. But first, a few notes over the weekend to start it in college basketball. Now, Saturday was a big day in the Queen City, a chance for both UC and Xavier to improve their resumes. Are they NCAA tournament teams? You can build a case for both. Let's start with the Bearcats. The fifth-ranked Houston Cougars came to town. Sellout crowd, blackout at Fifth Third Arena. It was just unbelievable. And it looked like early UC was going to get blown out of the gym. UC is one of the best rebounding teams in the country, and they could not handle Houston on the glass. As the Cougars opened up a double-digit lead, but the Bearcats clawed back, as they've done all during this Big 12 season. And actually, midway through the second half, they take the lead, but eventually lose 67-65 for UC. They are 4-6 and six, their first year in the Big 12. 4-6. and six. Their six losses have each been by five points or fewer. Think about that for a minute. I mean, possession here, possession there. Instead of 4-6, and six, you could be 7-3, and 6-4. and four. The bottom line is the Bearcats continue to get nothing out of the guy they counted on being their best player. That's Victor Lockett. Since coming down sick three weeks ago, he has averaged fewer than five points per game. That ain't going to get it. And there is no time to sit around and hang your head. If Houston and Kansas are the top teams in the league, somebody forgot to tell Iowa State. The Cyclones have beaten both Houston and Kansas this year, and they come to Cincinnati Tuesday night for a 7 o'clock tip. Iowa State is 18-5. and five. 7-3 and three tied for first in the Big 12. Meanwhile, for Xavier, a similar kind of story. They get incredible guard play, but had zero production from their front court in a 78-71 loss to number 19 Creighton. Their dynamic trio of Desmond Claude, Davion McKnight, and Quincy Oliveri, they combined for 61 of the 71 points. 
They get 10 points from the rest of the entire team in 40 minutes. For Xavier, it ends a three-game win streak, and up next, a trip to Seton Hall on Wednesday night. All right, everybody's still talking about the uh, Super Bowl. It was the second time in just 58 years in the game that it actually went to overtime, and clearly you know by now the Chiefs won it on a Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass to McCole Hardman, 25-22 in OT. Special teams killed the Niners, as did a huge fumble on the opening drive of the game by Christian McCaffrey. When we come back, we'll talk about it with Brian Billick, Super Bowl-winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens. You're dialed in with Tom Brennan. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist, call 1-844-YES-CHNK. All right, welcome back to Dialed In with Tom Brennan. A pleasure to be joined by my longtime broadcast partner, former Super Bowl winning head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. I think he thinks that being introduced as a Super Bowl champion head coach is a hell of a lot more important than being Tom Brennan's partner on Fox. That's probably a safe bet, is it not, Brian Billick? No, no, no. More people... (laughs) being your partner than ever recognized me for the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Hey, let's walk through this game real quick, uh, Brian. Um, look, only the second time ever in the history of the Super Bowl, we go to overtime. Um, I, I think I felt like, tell me if you agree, I think for probably two and a half quarters, it really wasn't a very exciting game. It was a tight game. Uh, and it felt like it was going to be one of those games where one play here, one play there. And, and it's easy to say that happens in every Super Bowl, but that's not necessarily the case. But in this one, you sat there and you watched, and I felt right from the opening drive. The Niners go down the field, and then Christian McCaffrey fumbles close to the red zone. And I had a, fel- I had a feeling that this was like an early massive body blow to the Niners. You agree with that? Yeah, and, and you have to give them credit for the fact that they, they fought back from it. You know, both defenses were brilliant throughout the entire day, really, because these are two offenses that can hurt you in so many different ways. And ultimately, it was the turnovers. They evened up to a certain degree, but the, the Niners had one more. And you're talking about a game that ended up going to overtime and, and being a, a three-point difference for the win. So that tells you just how close it was. And the additional turnover, the, the fumbled uh, or, or the uh, punt that, got, that hit the uh, one player's leg yep. that gave uh, Kansas City the short field, you know, it, it, it's awful simplistic, but that was the difference in the game because both defenses were brilliant. Both offenses were able to muster and do some things very effectively, but ultimately that one turnover in a game that's ultimately a three-point game, yeah, you got to say that one more turnover was the difference. 
You know, it's so funny because, uh, you know, I, I'd always used to roll my eyes a lot of times when almost as an afterthought, you'd hear coaches talk about how special teams are so important. And look, you, you can watch a thousand football games and they really not feel it's all that important, except in about 10 of them. But man, when they stand out, they stand out. Between that play for the Niners on the punt, where it hit, hit the 49er player in the leg, and it ends up being a turnover, and then the missed extra point. I mean, considered to be one of the most simple, high-percentage plays in the game. If you make that extra point, you're up four instead of up three, and now Mahomes and company got to score a touchdown to beat you instead of tying the game. Yeah, I mean, because the special teams, you're right, we, we kind of ignore it uh, for the most part, except when there is a situation, whether it's a turnover or a big return, because you're talking about a huge chunk of yardage one way or the other, like we saw in the 49 fumbles, basically gave uh, Kansas City, who had not been able to move the ball the length of the field, the short field. That was the difference maker, obviously. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, they did, we didn't have any big returns in the game, uh, per se, uh, but it's usually it's because of that huge change of field position, particularly in a game that's so evenly fought, like this one was. And uh, it's just, you can't, you can't beat a good team like the Chiefs. Likewise, the Chiefs couldn't beat the 49ers had they made that kind of mistake, which they did. Ultimately, they got down into the red zone. They had the turnover. Uh, so, like I said, the 49ers, one additional turnover, uh, uh, particularly in the red zone, where it was, was the difference in the game. You know, I'm curious, Brian. You're considered to be one of the great offensive minds in the history of football and the, and the offenses you put together in Minnesota as a coordinator there before you moved on as a head coach and won a Super Bowl and playoffs year after year with, with Baltimore. You know, it seems like for a long time the scoring was going up, 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 up. Now all of a sudden we're watching a lot of games over the course of the year where the scoring is down and way down on average from where it was three, four years ago. Um, Are defenses finally catching up to offenses? And if they are, is it primarily the line of scrimmage where the defenders are starting to to do the most damage and make the most progress? Well, when you see a team dominate, uh, as we saw in some instances, particularly San Francisco, San Francisco's offensive line, defensive line, I think for the most part, uh, won the game, won that, that matchup. Uh, and then obviously Mahomes and does what he does and was able to drive the length of the field, as did San Francisco. The difference was San Francisco could convert on the touchdown where Mahomes could uh, at the end. So, you know, we talk about turnovers and obviously the ability to convert in the red zone, and that was the difference in the game as well. I don't know that defenses are catching up per se, but clearly when you get into the playoffs, you're talking about you're probably not in the playoffs unless you're playing pretty good defense, and these are two excellent defenses. Uh, Both schemes were excellent. Uh, Yeah, then then all of a sudden a game that we thought the over and under was going to be well over 60 points. Some people thought it would be close to 90 and here I was barely over 40. Um, and that's because we uh, underrated in terms of just how good these defenses are. What were your thoughts on Brock Purdy? I thought he was excellent, uh, particularly early. He was poised. Um, if you want to be critical, and not of Purdy, but of the scheme, I think the 49ers missed some opportunities in terms of uh, putting in some blitz protections because obviously Kansas City and, and Spagnola is known for this dialing up certain blitzes, certain pressures, uh, and at the end of the game particularly, 
uh, I think they kind of threw Purdy to the wolves in terms of trying to execute. And all they were trying to do was throw a quick slant yep. against pressures, which they did effectively. They scored on it uh, early in the game to, to Jennings or later in the game to Jennings under a pressure because Kansas City didn't pressure that much. But when they did, San Francisco didn't seem to have much of an answer except to throw quick slants, which for the most part didn't work. Sometimes it did. Uh, but I thought I thought Brock Purdy was brilliant. I mean, his numbers would indicate it. He was in control of the game. Uh, I thought he had an outstanding game. Uh, as he did, he took his team the length of the field, couldn't quite get him into the end zone where Patrick Mahomes could. All right, you, you talk about Mahomes. I, I mean, Brian, you're old enough to, you know, to remember, you know, whether we're talking about Montana and you were out there with the 49ers or Bradshaw and Aikman and all these guys moving through. And, of course, most recently, Tom Brady. Now Mahomes, he's got three titles under his belt. He's been to four Super Bowls. He's only six years in the league. Everybody's throwing around, you know, comparing him to Brady. Is he in that conversation Terms like dynasty, is that what Kansas City is building here? I mean, it, you know, oftentimes I think we overhype a lot of this stuff, but but I don't think we are with Mahomes and what Kansas City is doing. Do you agree with that, or is it still a little too early? No, no. I mean, all you have to do is look at the play. Now, you know, is, is he going to be the greatest of all time? Like uh, my buddy Ozzy Newsom always used to say, well, he lives in the same cul-de-sac. Uh, the only thing right now, from saying, yeah, compared to Brady or Manning, you know, you, you, when you have these conversations, the greatest all time, you really have to, well, what's the criteria? And, and certainly they're going to be the stats and the numbers of wins, but, it, uh, you know, it also goes to, well, how many Super Bowls did they win? So certainly Patrick Mahomes is on a good trajectory that way. The only thing to keep him from fitting directly in that contrast to Brady or Manning is the tincture of time. You know, like you said, he's only been in it six years. So, you know, you got to give it a few more in respect to, to people like Brady and, and Manning, uh, uh, Joe Montana. you you got to give it a little bit more time to see if he can sustain it. Uh, there's no reason to think that he can't, because if you just take it on a game by game, a year by year, and compare it in that way, no, he's, he's, he's right there with them. Because what he does is truly, truly special. You know, those other guys, their ability to operate out of the pocket and to pick you apart, um, obviously noteworthy and, and spectacular, but Mahomes and what he does and, and extends the pockets and extends the plays, what he does with his legs, um, just just spectacular. And that's why, you know, and we talked about it uh, last week, that, that, you know, who are you going to pick for the game? Well, if Mahomes has the ball at the end of the game, you, how do you not pick yep. Kansas City and Mahomes? Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know how anybody in their right mind. I'm not a gambler. It's probably the only vice I don't have. But but uh, I, I just don't know how anybody in his right mind would ever bet against Patrick Mahomes. And then there's Andy Reid, Brian. When you and I were doing games uh, many, many years ago, w- we did games when he was a head coach in Philadelphia. They eventually ran him out of town. He couldn't win the big one. That was, that was a narrative on Andy Reid. And it's amazing how now here we sit all these years later and granted, he's not there yet with the Belichicks, but kind of like with Mahomes and Brady. Now, all of a sudden, at least, he's entering that conversation as one of the all-time greats. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's a slam-dunk Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, but then it also comes back to, well, because it's on the tail of just talking about Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. just like Belichick with Brady. And, 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 Brady, and, and Belichick's going to be a slam-dunk Hall of Famer. 
now he's kind of been run out of town because he doesn't have a Brady. Now, I don't know that that's a fair or accurate assessment, but it's a fact. Um, and so Andy Reid, that separation from Mahomes and what he's been able to do, there's no reason to separate it. He's done a brilliant job in setting up a platform for Mahomes to do what he does. And and uh, they're going to ride this for, I imagine, as long as they can, they can with this. You know, and obviously as a tincture of time, then, you know, and he's done it with the loss of some players. They lost to Hill last year. At some point, the Kelsey contract will be an issue, and he'll either stay or not stay. And so Mahomes is going to have to, like a Brady has done, uh, adjust to, okay, when you start to take away some of these weapons, does that change the profile? Is he able to lift the play of those around him? As, you know, obviously as Tom Brady did, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers did consistently in Green Bay. So we'll have those kind of conversations, but it's, you know, there's no question they're, you know, they're at the top of the pyramid right now. and There's no reason to think they're not going to stay there for a while. You and I have frequently used the word narrative, uh, whether it's fair or it's not fair. Uh, and oftentimes it isn't fair, but you and I have discussed it in the past, how the narrative now for the Joe Burrows of the world, the Josh Allens of the world, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the Dak Prescotts of the world, are they going to be able to win the big one like Mahomes has done now three times? The same thing is going to begin now, Brian, again, fair or unfair, with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he was a coordinator when they let the huge lead get away Atlanta uh, against New England and Tom Brady. Uh, he's lost a couple of Super Bowls now. And look, I'm not putting all of this on him. That's not what I'm doing. But, I mean, already the articles are starting. Are they going to win the big one there with Shanahan? Yeah, it's, and you're right. It's not a fair observation, but who cares? That's what it is. That's the perception on the outside. We'll remember for a long time it was Tom Landry couldn't win the big one. Um, uh, you know, and, and then obviously once you do, then that changes the profile. And then even when you do, it's, well, can you win another one? You know, that's, yep. that's the challenge. Particularly, we talk about the Andy Reeds and the Bill Belichicks of the world and the like. Then you know it's never ending in that regard. But there's going to because they've been very, very good. And when you when you've been good and you've been good for a while, then then yes, that's going to that's going to that question is going to come up and challenge you. Just like you know a John Harbaugh who has a Super Bowl and won it, but now it has been a while. So that conversation is going to start again. And he's got a Lamar Jackson. They haven't been able to take the next step. So, you know, just winning one doesn't remove that at all. Uh, it, it's probably not fair, but that's the world we live in right now. All right, my friend. We thank you so much, as always, for your time and your expertise, Coach Billick. Thanks so much, my friend. That's good, man. All righty. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us. And, uh, you know, he, he's right about the, the, this narrative thing. And, and, and Brian and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, and one thing I want to ask Brian a little bit about is maybe the psychology a little bit. You know, being based out of here in Cincinnati, you, you obviously get flooded with so much Bengal stuff. But the bottom line is the last three times now Patrick Mahomes has been in the postseason. Last four times, I'm sorry. The last four times he has been in the postseason. He has only lost one time, and that was against Joe Burrow. Now, it's not an individual sport. But is Burrow the only guy out there that can give Mahomes a run for his money? I mean, this isn't one of those where you sit around and you're like, well, that guy beat him, that guy beat him. No, no, no. Allen in the regular season, yeah. Lamar, regular season, yep. Uh, Herbert, 
you know, ne- they never beat Kansas City. They're in the same division. Uh, you know, Dallas, obviously, they're in a different conference. But these are some of the names, the quarterback names, where you start saying, is anybody around that can beat Patrick Mahomes? Burrow's the only guy to do it in the postseason. In fact, he has an overall winning record against a guy, period. Uh, but that's for another time and another place. Now, uh, that's all for today. We thank Brian Billick. We thank all of you for joining us. Uh, again, we're coming your way two days a week. Don't forget to check in for our download this Friday. Uh, our big interview as we start our baseball preseason prep. St. Louis Cardinals television voice Chip Carey will join us. So for our producer Dave Arbrewster, I'm Tom Brenneman. Thanks so much for joining us on Dialed In. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.